0: welcome everybody to the collateral damage podcast uh today we're going to be talking with Teresa harman from uh to the moon and back right and i believe maureen this is about uh neonatal abstinence syndrome one of the many yes. forms of collateral damage that i'm imagining our listeners are not used to talking about or probably even thinking about uh and more importantly they probably don't understand completely so Teresa's is going to help us out with that and um so now what's your understanding of the situation this is this is something that uh, you brought to the table as as a real I mean and I, I had never really thought about it before today
1: I think there's so many things that people don't think about you know that um, um we think about, you know what drives me crazy, too? I mean, you know I'm a big person, on uh, big on language. Right. And people talk about uh, kids that are born addicted. Well, it's not mm-hmm. possible to be born addicted. You could be born dependent upon a drug. Mm-hmm. The drug in utero could have had lots of effects. And um, so, I mean, that's what Teresa is all about. And helping families, whether they're adoptive families or foster families, um and uh professionals learn about this neonatal abstinence syndrome and the uh, the effects that um um, pr- um more than likely will have a, um on a child for the rest of its life right and i know from being a special education teacher i know that there are lots of um special education issues that are gonna, we're going to be seeing in the next 10 years 15 years um as kids well, it's like go like generational through.
0: impact right like this is yes. oh. so
1: it's not just the trauma of of whatever happens, losing a parent or being raised in a household where someone is um, is dependent on drugs and going through that. But if, having been born into that and exposed in utero to drugs, you know, very often create changes in the brain. And we're going to be seeing a lot of, of new and uh, special education issues. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, right. that and I think that, you know, that's just one thing. So I'm aware of that because I'm a teacher. So and yeah. there's just so many other health issues that are going to come up. And, and challenges with, um, with, you know, raising somebody that has been exposed in utero.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously don't, I, like I said, I don't think about this all the time. I'm not sure our listeners are thinking about what's left behind, you know, that there's this ge- generation of grandmothers raising uh, their grandchildren and, you know, the children who are being born uh, um, dependent on substances and then the struggle that they go through and, you know, the ongoing damage. And and how how it affects them.
1: I'm telling you. So I'm I'm excited to hear what Teresa has to say.
0: Me as well. Me as well. I can't wait to learn. I love learning from our our guests on this podcast, and I'm really excited to have Teresa on. So without further ado, Teresa Harmon. So I understand, Maureen, we have a uh, special guest today, uh, Teresa Harmon, who is going to share about her organization which is is addressing a really unique (laughs) side of this this epidemic you know we talk about the collateral damage this is this is one of those ones that i I, i'm not quite sure people really think about and understand the impact um you know she runs an organization to the moon and back as i said addressing an issue that i'm I'm just really uh, i'm I'm excited to talk about and i think it's it's going to be interesting for people to hear this side of things so i'd like to welcome her uh to our podcast so how you doing teresa
2: Hey, good. How are you
0: guys? Doing well. Thank you for joining us. So uh, would you mind sharing a little bit about um, To the Moon and Back and, and what, your, uh, what your motivation was to start this organization?
2: Yeah, so we are um, a nonprofit out of Plymouth, Massachusetts. We um, got our nonprofit status back in April. Um, but even before that, we had started with um, support groups um, for caregivers, Um And the reason being was, as we saw, a lot of unmet needs um, around children born um, with neonatal abstinence syndrome and other um, substance exposure.
0: Can I actually ask you to explain that real quick? So this this neonatal abstinence syndrome is this is so you're talking about children born uh, um, with? Are they dependent? Are they addicted? Are they? how, How is it that they are identified?
2: Yeah. So um, there's well, there's two sides to this. There's the NAS designation, and so that is the um, withdrawal syndr- syndrome that children go through um, when they're born. Um, so they're born dependent, typically okay. um, dependent on opiates.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it can also include uh, SSRIs, um, some wow. psychotropic medic, other psych- psychotropic medications, wow. um, benzodiazepines. But typically, we talk about it in relation to opiates. Of course. Um, and then. We also talk about um, SEN, which is substance exposed Newborns. So those are kids that do not go through withdrawal but have had in utero exposure as well.
0: Okay. Okay. Wow. I guess that is that again. That's one of those topics that you know not a lot of people think about is that, you know the aftermath of an individual experiencing substance use disorder with a, with a child, and then what happens afterward. Um, and I guess that's where you've picked up this. This organization has picked up.
1: Um, I don't. I don't think I knew of any organizations that were addressing this before?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, there's um, there's definitely some agencies that do a piece of this, but um, but our focus is solely on um, the children that have been affected by this um, and then their families, whatever that constellation may be.
0: Mm. And so this is, uh, as to Maureen's point, I mean, it, there are not a lot of places addressing this as, as a whole. Um, you know, if I was looking at your Uh, some of your services and the wraparound that you provide from you know providing services to the actual child to the family to educating other caregivers um, social workers people who have uh, direct interaction with these children and the family systems around them right
2: correct yeah yep Um, and we've geared our services based on you know from our support groups what we hear from our families we initially started with um you know, here in Massachusetts, about twenty families back in twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. um, we now serve about um, sixty five families, wow. um, and a lot of them have more than one child. Okay. So, um you know, and that was why we went around to get our nonprofit status because the groups that we were, um, you know, having for caregivers just wasn't enough right. for what these families needed.
0: So you're not. It, this is not being funded. This is something you're funding through your nonprofit. You're raising funds and you're. You're getting support so that you can provide these services correct
2: yeah yeah so we have a part-time grant writer who helps us and then um we um we do one major fundraising event per year um, to support to support the nonprofit
0: that's great when is that fundraiser
2: um so this year it's going to be september 27th
1: um
0: that's my so birthday that's my birthday. So it's it's
1: fundraiser. (laughs) So it's fundraiser fundraiser
0: slash Mike Wilson's birthday. Don't make sure (laughs) you you put that on the flyer. (laughs) Oh, you're
1: gonna you're gonna love what it is too. Teresa, talk about what it is that you do because it sounds like so much fun. Um, So we're doing adult prom. Uh, This will be our
2: second
0: year. Isn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So what does that mean? How do you what do you do?
2: It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a prom for adults. Um, Okay. So if you haven't been to your prom. If you want to relive your prom, if you want to ask the person you went to your prom um, with before, this <laughs> is a great opportunity to relive all that.
0: That's great. Where is this held?
2: Um, we have it at Alden Park in Plymouth.
0: Wow. Well, that's, I, does that does not great? That is great. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea. I love creative fundraising ideas. I think you can have so much fun, you know, uh, talking about raising money for just a great cause, and, and people love to show up for fun stuff. Now, are you... Um, is this information? This information will be available on your website as it comes closer, right? That's the yeah, so uh, tothemoonback.org, the dot website. org, number back dot org. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's gonna be that sounds like fun, <laughs> <laughs> and it's on my birthday. We'll see, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I was uh, I was reading an interesting fact here that you uh, have on your site that says f- every 15 minutes a child is born with withdrawal symptoms. From this, uh, that blew me away. Study from the Vanderbilt University. This is 2018. This is a recent study. This is a. Uh, uh, I'm assuming they've been studying this all along. Are the numbers up? Is that more significant than in previous years?
2: Yeah. So nationally, um, the number back in 2015 was one child every 25 minutes. Um, so we're definitely seeing an increase and we see that same increase here in Massachusetts.
0: Right. So, I mean, that's a direct correlation to the, you know, uh, the growing number of uh, overdose deaths as well. I mean, just the fact that this is escalating uh, year after year and that it's measurable, um, is is terrifying. (laughs) It's terrifying.
1: So Teresa, we know, we, like everybody's seen the pictures of a a child withdrawing and um, I don't think, um, there's anybody that has, you know, isn't somewhat aware of that, but, um, what kind of services will a child need? That's
2: a really good question. So, um, the research is not quite there yet, um, but what we see from um, you know the children that we've worked with for some time now is that um, kids are more susceptible to vision and hearing issues. Um, they tend to have fine and gross motor delays. Um, they have issue with. Um, what they deem as behavior, but really as sensory processing problems, and then um, trouble around executive functioning, so things like figuring out where things go and um, within space, um, like where their body belongs, um, having um, difficulty with transitions and flexible thinking and things like that. Hmm. Um, as so
1: well. these, are, these are all increased special education issues that we're going to see in the next... You know, increasing every year, actually.
2: We're seeing it now, yeah. Mm -hmm. So these kids are now um, in elementary school, you know, Mm -hmm. and based on the opiate crisis, they're roughly um, up to second grade now. Some of them are just entering kindergarten, uh, but the majority are, at least from our cohort of children, uh, kindergarten, first, and second grade. Um, And the schools are reporting that they're seeing, you know, an increase in um, behavioral issues and an increase in the amount of IEPs that they're writing, and they think that it's related to this.
0: So, I mean, we're really talking about the generational impact of, you know, uh, this whole experience. I mean, this is this is going to play a role into their educational experience, their social interactions, um, you know, right up into their adult years if something's not done about it, if the services aren't added to the equation, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we do, the kids are eligible for early intervention. They're eligible for one year automatically with an NAS diagnosis, um, okay. which I don't know that you know, all families know. Um, but, but
1: that's not, not enough.
2: Right. By and they're, any not, stretch they're not accessing those services. Um, you know, we recently got data that showed that um, kids with an NAS diagnosis aren't accessing early intervention until two years and four months on average in Massachusetts. So, so it only goes to three years. By then it's 80% past, you know.
0: So what's the early what's the initial process? I mean, you're talking about the, these children are born. So in the hospitals, you're... Are you taking it upon yourselves as a part of your organization to go into these hospitals, emergency rooms, you know, to, to, to train these folks to be aware of it, to refer correctly? Is that, I mean, to, to educate the families that are going through this and make sure they get these the services sooner?
2: Um, the hospitals are making a very concerted effort to make sure that families get um, get referred, and those numbers okay. have um, begun to increase, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something like 60% of families um, were being, or eligible children were being referred, and now that number, I think, is up to about 80%. Oh, that's so great. So that's really good. But then it's just a matter of sometimes even just getting the clinicians in the door to be able to serve these families. Okay. And then, like, you know, to Maureen's point, even after early intervention, the issues that we're seeing are despite and beyond early
1: intervention. Absolutely. So even with those services. Yeah, these are not things that are going to go away. These are lifelong problems.
0: Wow. And so how long can you stay involved? How, how long can you stay involved? Just the three years? Is that what you're su- suggesting?
2: For early intervention, yeah, it's birth to three years. Okay. So, And that's a federally funded program that's available.
0: Okay. Wow. I guess I just, I, I, again, as I said right from the beginning, I never really even think about this. I mean, I know it exists and I know that there was, you know, the era of the, the, the crack baby, you know, during the, the crack epidemic in the 90s that people were talking about these, these children being born, uh, um, you know, dependent on the substance. Uh, and then there's even, you know, uh, some people that identify as they, they are part of the, the crack baby generation. Um, you know, and I can imagine that a, a statement like that, a name like that or a phrase like that is is terrible and stigmatizes just like it did back then and I'm assuming that you're hearing very similar statements of babies born addicted to opiates and stuff like that that just perpetuate that stigma. Um how do you guys battle that?
2: Um, it's really upsetting. <laughs> um because this, you know, it personally hits home for me. Yeah. Um and for obviously for our families. But um there was a recent article that we participated in. Um that um, deemed uh, our children um, opiate kids.
0: Oh, see. That's what I was talking about.
2: You know, we had specifically asked them, because often the media calls them, um, you know, babies or um, children Mm -hmm. born addicted, or Mm -hmm. um, they use the addiction terminology, and I asked them specifically to steer clear of that um, and to, you know, to say opiate dependent or substance dependent, um, Mm -hmm. and instead they coined a new phrase. So...
0: And I guess that's what I was talking about. I mean, people people love a headline, you know. People love a a a a statement, you know, something that uh, embodies it. And I guess I just I I would imagine that that's what they're going to fall back on, unless we can change that language and change how we talk about it. That um, you know, and so they're not they're not born addicted. They're not born with the desire to use. They're not born with that same obsessive compulsive desire to keep using to prevent them from being sick. They're just born physically dependent against their will uh and there's a process to help them get through that correct exactly yeah huh opiate kids i don't like that at all (laughs) i think that's Mm -hmm. terrible yeah it killed me yeah
2: um and i think it's important too to know you know despite these these issues that we see with kids um you know with early services with continued services that these kids can do really really well Mm -hmm. um you know, with the sensory processing piece, their brains just function a little bit different. And if we make modifications to how we interact with them, mm. they do really, really well.
0: I love right. that. The,
1: and the earlier, the better. I mean, yeah. that's, it brings the possibility of minimizing the effects of this. If we can get, I, I say that because I'm a special education teacher. So I know that, you know, I really understand how important that is.
0: Yeah, change the education around them. Don't, you know, don't expect the child to just conform because you want them to.
1: Well, and then the other pieces so you have kids going into the school that feel less than they're they're uh opiate kids or and there's these expectations that um that they they again are gonna follow in their parents' footsteps that's not what we want
0: mm. and now the the are you really are you interacting with the the parents that are struggling with this substance use disorder as well are you are, are you interacting at that level?
2: Um, there's a Recovering Moms Helping Moms in Plymouth. Um, oh, wow. And we do interact with them.
0: So this um, is one of the support groups that you guys provide?
2: Um, we don't provide that group. It's a separate group. But, um okay. But we are available to them. Um, and we do uh, a kids group um, that is open. So... The only service that we have that is just for caregivers um, is our caregiver support group. The rest of our services are open to any family, regardless okay. of Constellation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a kids group where, you know, knowing some of these things that kids struggle with, we, um, you know, teach them things through play, mm-hmm. the kids and their families. So um, we've done like yoga and mindfulness. We've done, we do um or we are scheduled to do karate this weekend. Wow! Um, we've done a sensory play, play group as well. And so um, the hope is to show families some things that they can use at home uh, mm-hmm. to help kids. And we, um, we invite anyone to come to that. We've invited um,
1: the recovering moms support group as well. So.
0: Wow. That's great.
1: So uh, Teresa, if you, I mean, there's lots of gaps in the system. I see them all the time. What do you think is the biggest gap, right now as far as what's as what's related to what you do
2: um i mean there's so many gaps um it's just so much of it is that this is so new and just lack of education
1: Um, but is it new really i mean because we've always experienced this it just it's in the news now i
2: increase the influx of children for sure yeah um i mean there's a lot of different things i think like you said this has existed for a while um these kids, again, you know, are around nine years old. Mm. So we've been dealing with this for a
1: while. Um, what What would you do if you could change one small thing mm. to get us going on the right track? Is there anything um, that you can think of?
2: Yeah, I mean the the main thing I think would be coming up with a, a plan. Uh, best practices in care,
0: mm. just so, across the board, right?
2: Yeah, best practices in care um, across the board. You know, getting kids. When we know that they've had this exposure, neuropsych eval, um, getting them in occupational therapy eval, knowing, you know, what we know now, yeah. um, and then even earlier, making sure that they get early intervention, if possible, um, yeah. and the services there to help with some of these um, issues of gross and fine motor. Um, I think all of those things would be really, really useful for kids.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think maybe breaking down the stigma a little bit, too, so that people aren't afraid to come in early when they're pre- in their earlier in their pregnancies, if they knew that there was actual support and help afterwards.
2: Absolutely. It's been hard because a lot of money goes into prevention and to, you know, helping upstream with um, parents with substance use disorder. And, and that's so important.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um but we can't forget these kids. Um, well, it's
0: like we they're just, left behind, you know. They're, they're they're an afterthought almost.
2: Right. They're the innocent victims. And, um, you know, they didn't ask for this. They didn't have a say in it. And we need to do better for them. We've, you know, not done everything that we could for them at this point. So, mm.
0: Man, that is well, sad to hear. Thank
1: you for stepping in, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, um... You have uh, you have quite a family of people over there at your organization. I understand. I was just just taking a peek at your your roster there. Your uh, your group of folks. You've got some uh, my uh, lineup. Your lineup, yeah, exactly, exactly. You've got a solid group of people. I imagine these are these are folks that share your same passion, right?
2: Yeah, we've got a great um, board. We've got a it's been changing. I believe we have a ten member board of volunteers now. <laughs> um, so uh, we have. Uh, the director of social work from Beth Israel, who Mm -hmm. is wonderful. Um, Myself, we have somebody who um, is really great with marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, We have now um, our West Virginia chapter, so we have the board president from down there that's involved. um, And we got involved with them because they just really needed us. Um, They have the highest
1: rates of NAS in the country.
0: Um, Wait, Virginia?
1: Yeah. West wow. Virginia,
0: West Virginia. I didn't didn't realize that. Yeah, but that.
1: just right behind. We're right behind them, right? Is that correct?
2: I'm actually not sure what number we are, but um, their their rates are about seven percent of births, whereas ours are about two percent. Um,
0: wow, that's a high number. <laughs> yeah. So this this conference that you have, this is open to everybody. Um, you have a conference coming up, and, and this is for providers.
2: So, yeah, so it's for providers. But um, the reason why I really wanted to do this is because I've been, you know, because I'm a social worker, you know, I go to all these events. um, And a lot of them are geared towards the medical community. Mm -hmm. And so this information is getting to the medical community. But it wasn't trickling down to families that need it, to frontline providers, such as early childhood educators or schools, um, pediatricians even mm-hmm. um, about best practices and care and how to help um, these kids. And, you know, again, we're still at the very early stages of that, but there are some places that are really doing great work around this. Um, so we really wanted to get this information to the people who really needed it. So, um, so it's open to families, it's open to providers. Um, we have on-site daycare so that hopefully that's not a barrier. We kept the price really low so that mm-hmm. we could get families, um, you know, especially our grandparents raising grandchildren that yes. have you know limited money because um, they're taking care of these kids so we really um, want it to make it accessible for as many people as possible
0: that is you ju- you just brought up an entire new generation of people right, right there the grandparents raising grandkids i mean that's those support groups have been exploding those those people have been uh, just handed a whole new uh, a whole new generation of kids that yeah a whole new life i mean it's that's a, that's a whole nother topic right there mm-hmm. Uh, now, where is this uh, conference being held?
2: Um, it's going to be at the 1620 Hotel and Conference Center in Plymouth.
0: Oh, okay, right down in Plymouth. So you guys are primarily focused on uh, or, uh, um, a lot of your stuff is coming right out of Plymouth, right?
2: Yeah, I wanted to keep it in my hometown just because okay. um, it was special to me to be able to bring it to a really great community that already has um, a really great collaboration through places like PCO Hope, um,
1: yeah. we are being
2: sponsored. Um, by the Plymouth County DA's office, which is really wonderful, Tim Cruz.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it was really important to me to try to keep it in our community. But there's people coming from all across Massachusetts doing. Yep.
1: Plymouth County is doing some amazing things. Um, I'd love to actually have somebody on and talk about the um, program that they do in that. Is it the middle schools? Uh, um, Plymouth Youth Development yes. Collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're
2: wonderful. One of our partners as well.
0: So, Teresa, do you have any ideas for, you know, where the future of your company is headed and what your your mission or your goal is?
2: So, we actually have some um, really exciting things coming up, especially um, May 1st. So, definitely check back um, on our Facebook page and um, our website. Um, We are going to be merging with um, another nonprofit and another collaboration, um, which we'll be announcing then and also at the conference. Great. um, Which I think will really enhance our services um and our reach um throughout massachusetts
0: that is fantastic That's exciting yeah it is it sounds like you're heading in the right direction exciting. <laughs> um anything else you'd like to share with our listeners
2: I, I think you know the biggest thing when i talk about um about our children is just remembering them um mm. you know here in massachusetts we just don't talk about them enough and um you know talking with you guys um is helping to get that out there um but these kids are really important um you know we've already lost a generation that um we should have done more for and we have an opportunity moving forward to be creative and innovative in how we care for them in massachusetts it's always been the first and in being innovative so um mm-hmm. why shouldn't we be here as well
0: man what a powerful way to end this, this is that's that's like i couldn't have said it better myself let's not forget these kids that are left behind. Um, so much press and so much time gets spent on the individuals that are struggling with it that we forget about the people that are left behind, which is, again, why Maureen and I want to have these conversations and have people like you on to talk about all the collateral damage that is being left behind. And I feel like these kids are definitely fitting right into that. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Uh, it's so sad that we have to be talking about things like this, but I'm so glad that there are people like Teresa that are working on um, helping families. Deal with these issues.
0: I I would agree with you. I mean, again, this is not the type of thing that I even want to think about. But I'm glad that somebody is addressing this, and and that there's a you know, it sounds like they're educating, you know, the people across the board. They're educating the professionals. You know, they're providing support for the families. And you know, I mean, how important is it for people to to talk about this correctly? You know, like that with the we brought in that whole uh, you know the, the the back in the day when it was the the crack baby. It's not a crack baby. It's a, a it's a child that was born dependent on a substance against their will, uh, you know, because of an epidemic that was sweeping the nation. The same can be said right. now. You know, these aren't heroin babies. These aren't opioid babies. You know, these are poor. These are babies that are born dependent on a substance. And 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 like she was saying, you know, how we talk about this matters. And you know, same it's to us. your point, it, it makes a difference. And having an advocate out there for a baby that can't advocate for themselves speak up for them make sure that they're getting the right education make sure that the people who are working with them understand what's happening i mean i'm just super grateful that that even exists and right. never would have thought and, about it
1: and i love how she's connecting people so the symposium that she it's do you, um recall the may, date that
0: may, t- may 10th may, may 10th, 10th friday is, um, may 10th from eight to four
1: I mean, because that's so important—is connecting other people that are interested in the topic, that are, mm-hmm. you know, have have a stake in the topic, whether they're a foster parent or parent or um, a grandparent, and then those care, the caregivers too, the um, mm-hmm. providers. I mean, it's it's so important to get these people all in the same room and talking because that's how that's how we learn.
0: Absolutely, and, well, uh, and they got they have all the information about this. I mean, what is it? It's, uh, to the moon and back, to the moon and back dot org with the number two. Is their website, yeah. and I mean, they a lot of what she was talking about. You know, this this uh, this conference that they're having. Uh, you know, I believe they're doing a, a fundraiser that we talked about. It just happens to fit right on my birthday. Uh, I know. I think the, it's a. Prom. Would you would you
1: would you, go, would you like to go to the prom? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't it's, go to my prom. Did I you go to a prom? M- no, I didn't. Go no, to my prom. I was, no, I was I was far too I was far too cool for the prom, which yeah, was such was, a mistake.
0: I I was cool in the sense that I was definitely doing the wrong thing. Yes. Uh,
1: (laughs) I think that's what I meant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like they're just, they're trying everything they can and, and, you know, just a great organization to support. So.
1: Yes. uh, I I just, I think that idea of an adult prom is so, it sounds like so much fun. So that's September 27th. September 27th. When everybody, everybody there will be um, celebrating your birthday.
0: Well, that was what um, I was just going to say. Is that I assume I just assume that anyone that's going to this event will keep me in mind and will be uh, wishing me birthday wishes that day. So,
1: I'm sure they will be. <laughs> I have no doubt. Um, I mean, you know, with all that I do with Magnolia New Beginnings, it is all really about connection. So we yes. have, um, and this is kind of, This is how I met Teresa. It, we have. Um, 1,200 people in the state of Massachusetts, 20,000 people across the country, enclosed wow. and open support groups. And when I say it's an open page that anybody can access with news and inspiration and mm-hmm. support, but it's also, um, we also have these closed groups that people request to join, and they're on Facebook, and they're Magnolia, okay. Magnolia Addiction Support, if you search for that. Um, and anybody can, we have state groups, they're all on our magnolianewbeginnings.org um, website as well. And you can go on there, look for the support group in your particular state, or whether you're a grandparent raising a grandchild, you, mm. you can join that group or, um, you can just join the, the national group, which is just the Magnolia Adi- addiction support. And I think there's almost 3000 people just in that group. Wow. It's so in the middle it's of the such night, a great you, way to
0: connect, right? I mean, that's it really is. Yeah. It's
1: like a, tw- it's like a 24 hour a day meeting because mm-hmm. there's always somebody on there. Right. And, um, a lot of the people, you know, they connect and get very close and, and you know, take it offline too. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing like sitting next to somebody and or, or you know, being in the same room with them. It doesn't take the place of, of meetings and it doesn't take the place of that. But it certainly is an, an incredible support and, and education. And we try mm-hmm. to, you know, when anything new is happening in an area, we share the news. We share different groups, support right. groups, um, activities. We have a recovery group and I try really hard to... Um, make sure that we share all the anything interesting that's going on. Um, we'd make, we're we also very careful that there's no marketers in there, there's nobody looking mm. for business in there, and there's nobody selling anything. Right. So we won't allow that. But if there's an event going on, and, and uh, we'd love to post those because, you know, anything that's fun and sober is definitely welcome in our recovery groups.
0: So- well, that's, I mean, that part that you just mentioned is super critical. And I guess, you know, for our listeners that are considering this, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad places on facebook and on social media that you can get caught up with you know what seems like a healthy support group or what seems like people trying to help but are in fact you know ads or marketers people that you know work for a specific program or trying to lead people astray probably another podcast that we'll do in the not too distant future is you know the industry that's been built on the backs of addiction and and families and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but You know, to your point, the fact that there are people regulating this and that it is a safe place is probably the most important thing for someone to know is that you know when you are scrolling around on your feed like like you know when when, when i feel a, an ache or an illness and i get on the internet and i'm searching for what that problem is i can get lost if i don't look in the right place and next thing you know i feel like i have cancer you know and it's because i uh yeah. i got ahead of myself there the same could be said with these facebook groups you can get yeah you can get lost if you're not in the right place and and absolutely you know, magnolia new beginnings and, and all the different supports they provide uh you know there are people who are um Oh, what do you call it when, when you have somebody in there that's kind of regulating everything? What do they call
1: administrators? It? We have t- we have twenty one administrators across the go. country that watch watch these groups, so we're really careful about that. No one no one's allowed to sell anything. No one's allowed yeah. to ask for money of any kind. Yep. And if every once in a while somebody will slip in and they're out is before they know it, we, yeah, we find them. So yeah.
0: Well, that's so uh, and that's great. I mean, it's all about the safe place, and I'm I'm just so grateful that that even exists
1: yeah yeah thank you very much and you know i just welcome anybody that needs needs some support or needs an ear or needs some uh needs to know they're not alone to
0: mm-hmm. join and i mean they can you know through that through that medium they can find resources directly too it's not just a support group they can find access to more direct services Absolutely. if they feel like they need it so
1: yep i always say it's like the angie's list of addiction treatment <laughs> don't 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 piss off a mom. I can I that's a dangerous thing to do. They'll let Agreed. you know. You go in there and ask for advice. <laughs> yeah. They will give it to you.
0: <laughs> that's great. Well, it's 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 a great resource and uh, you know part of the idea behind this is to start the conversation but to make people aware of the resources are available. So Yes, I'm glad that one exists. And so to this, the same theme, you know, of us talking about the collateral damage and the family system and everything that's happening. I understand we've got some some pretty nice guests lined up. So for those of you that have been listening up to this point, and you know, just recently got to uh, part two of Andrew Berkey, and you know, now to, today with Teresa Harmon, uh, we've got a couple other podcasts coming up within the next week or two uh, that people are going to be really interested in. And you know, we're going to keep this so, theme yeah. going of collateral damage and you know, getting to understand how this is affecting our lives our families and our communities just just what's what's been done what's happening and and what we can do about it so um you know i'm i'm really uh, as of right now i'm very grateful for our listeners and the people who are helping us share this and subscribing to our podcast and subscribing to our youtube channel and we encourage you if you're listening to this now to find whichever way you can to help us get this information to other people sharing it on facebook the bottom of the screen here we've got all the different ways you can share it scrolling um, if you are, if you don't know what to do, you can always just go to cdpodcast.com, uh, and on our website is every possible way to find and or share our podcast with other listeners. So if you can help us do that, we would be grateful.
1: And we're always open to people suggesting uh, guests or asking questions. If we can help in any way, we will, mm-hmm. and get those people on. If there's somebody that you have heard speak and think they'd be a a good guest let us know Mm
0: -hmm. and they can do that through the website right that's right again one of the many things you can do over at (laughs) cdpodcast.com all right we can we can we can stop with that i think we can throw the we can throw the all right i'd like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode of collateral damage uh, as always, if you'd like to find out, uh, find out all the different ways that you can listen to our podcast, you can visit our website, which is www.cdpodcast.com. There are many different ways to, to, to listen and subscribe, and we encourage you to choose the one that's most appropriate for you. And as always, I would encourage our listeners to get informed.
1: Stay connected.
0: Thank you for joining us.